you know, I wrote a blog post one time saying that I'd had over uh, 50 jobs in my life. And my wife uh, said that there was no way I've had that many. So we made a list. And when it, uh, when we got them all listed out, I've had 64 jobs. And there's a good chance that I missed a couple in there because I'd work places for, you know, just very brief periods of time before I'd uh, get fired or quit. You know, so uh, that's a lot of jobs and I get that. But as I was really looking at them, you know, of those 64, I've only had seven jobs in the last 20 years and I've only had two jobs in the last 10. So, you know, I crammed a whole bunch of jobs into the first, into the first, you know, half of my life. You know, but doing that many jobs and making as many mistakes as I've, as I've made, I've learned, I've learned some good things in life. You combine that with working with people in an intentional capacity for the last, you know, close to 20 years now as a social worker, as a campus mentor, as an adjunct professor, as a counselor, and now as a life coach, I, I have picked up some things that, that I think are helpful to, to living a good life. And what I've really found over those years is that the best ways to live a good life are really pretty simple. So I've been working on a new book uh, for a while now. It's probably about halfway done. Uh, it's just called Simple Ways to Live a Good Life. And I thought it might be a good idea just to kind of take those things and talk about them on here. You know, everything is meant to be like super simple, super short. Uh, I'd like it to be where anybody can open this book just at any point to where you don't have to read everything in order to for it to be useful for you. So, you know, but before we jump into any of the simple things that help us have a good life, uh, we have to look at the issue of identity, uh, especially like these identities that we consciously craft for ourselves, whether we realize it or not, because as long as we're hanging on to those, as long as we are invested in those, we'll never have the good life. All these simple things won't do you any good because you'll always like snap back to the place of that identity. You know, I've seen this working with people for years. I saw it in myself. Uh, I mean, that's where I really first started looking at it is when I look back at younger James um, and the identities that he took on. You know, I think when I was young, like, you know, like a kid, I read like Calvin and Hobbes a lot, and I really like these books called The Snark Out Boys. And so I took on the identity of, I would have said, like a precocious trickster or something like that, but I was really just kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, it, it pushed me to this place of wanting to be the center of attention, of always trying to be funny, of always trying to find like just something uh, just uh, creative to do, you know? And I realize this, like, I want to be clear. I'm not judging myself. I'm not judging people who take on identities. I understand why we do these things. I'm simply saying that they're not super helpful because, uh, you know, I can look back and I can see where younger James needed attention. He needed validation. And I don't think he was getting that in, in all the places that he needed it. Uh, maybe he was and it just wasn't enough for him. Maybe he wasn't getting it from the places he wanted it. And so did all these, you know, supposedly creative, fun things. The thing was, since I was tied to this identity, I was probably unable to take things seriously when I needed to. I was unable to listen to people who tried to talk to me about things because I was always, everything was always like going through that lens of being Calvin, of, of, of being, of being this kid who, who didn't listen, of being this kid who thought he was funny, you know? And so that, that's where that identity that I had taken on wasn't super helpful for me. You know, so that identity was probably annoying for the people around me, especially the adults that had to deal with me. But, you know, over the years, I took on uh, more and more problematic identities. I think, um, you know, when I got to high school, uh, my parents moved me down near Austin 
in the early 90s, you know, right when Nirvana came out and I was coming from the mountains and I dressed, you know, I dressed in these like, like neon clothes and had my hair standing straight up and talked like, uh, like Bill and Ted or some shit. And so when I got down close to Austin, the year Nirvana came out and everybody's wearing flannel and combat boots and torn up jeans, like I did not have a lot of friends at first. I got picked on pretty badly my freshman year. Um, and the, the identity I adopted at that point was kind of like a bad kid. Like I wanted to be one of the bad kids. I wanted to be one of the tough kids. I wanted to be one of the cool kids. The thing is, I'm not tough. I'm not bad. I'm not cool. I don't like getting in trouble. I don't like um, making other people unhappy. I don't like hurting other people. I'm definitely not cool. Like the shit that I'm into has never been cool. Um, but I took that on and I tried really hard to do that. And I think to some extent, maybe I tricked some people. But for the most part, I think most people probably saw through me. But it also led me to behaviors and then constantly reinforced behaviors that got me in trouble. Now, once again, this wasn't everything. I started drinking and using drugs out of that identity to some extent. But I was also deeply depressed. I was incredibly anxious. I had some mental health issues. And so, you know, there was a self-medicating aspect to it. But that identity that I took on, hanging on to that identity, really um, kind of became like a self-reinforcing thing, you know. And so when people would approach me and talk to me about, hey, this isn't really you or you're smart and you could do better or these decisions are going to get you in trouble. I could not listen to them because I was invested in that identity and I wanted to be that identity. Over the years, I, I took on other identities. And the thing is, is that even the ones that were supposedly healthy weren't all that healthy because I was tying myself to a concrete notion of self, which kept me from being able to grow and evolve and change as I needed to. Uh, you know, I think of like when I kind of took on the identity of like a meditator. And, um, you know, I've talked on this podcast before about how I really was like, struck by like Zen priests and like their stoicism and how shit didn't affect them. And I wanted to be like that. The problem was I was more interested in taking on the identity than doing the practices and stuff. And so I kind of cut off a part of myself in order to be that. You know, I kind of shut my emotions off. I uh, I pretended like I became very disaffected in a way, I guess. And so that identity became a problem. I think about like the identity I had as like uh, drug free. You know, I've got that tattooed on my arm. But here a couple years ago, when I was really, really struggling after some just really traumatic stuff with work and just a bunch of just traumatic shit in life hit me all at once. And I was struggling. I had to overcome that identity to talk to my doctor about antidepressants. And then when those weren't working and I was feeling uh, they really just they didn't make anything better. They just kind of numbed me to things. I really had to push back against that in order to try ketamine and ketamine changed my life. It did so much for me. Um, and let me, let me be clear. Ketamine in a, in a therapeutic, uh, context, like at a clinic, I wasn't just eating ketamine at my house, uh, that, that changed my life radically, but I had to overcome this identity of being drug free. That was a necessary identity for a while. That's what helped me get clean. That's what helped me stop drinking. Like investing in that was good for a while. But that's where we really hit the primary problem with identity and, and, and identifying with things and saying that they are me is that we change all the time. We're evolving. You know, we're, we're, we're always somebody different after we learn something, after we experience something. That's the constant process of being human. And it's amazing and it's awesome and it's cool. 
but we will ignore a lot of those lessons or we will push them aside if they don't fit with certain identities that we've grown attached to. So before we start this, uh, what looks like it's probably gonna be a really long series on simple ways to have a good life, take some time and just ask yourself, like, what do you identify as? Like, what are the things that, that, that you latch onto as this is me? Um, I think that we can see these a lot in our roles. You know, husband, father, mother, son, daughter, wife, uh, coach, teacher, salesperson, counselor, all these different things. Those are just roles we play. Any one of those things can be taken from us. And so we have to examine them because that's, that's, that's not something that's actually me. That's not something that's actually us. Then I think we have to look at like the, the things we want to be. You know, that's what I talked about. You know, I, was, I wanted to be kind of a, a funny prankster kid and I was really just a pain in the ass. Uh, I wanted to be a bad kid. I wanted to be uh, the, the, the stoic above it all meditator, you know. Uh, just look at these things in your life and see which ones you're attached to. Chances are, as, as I'm talking about this, uh, anything that like kind of hits you wrong, anything where your where your ego's jumping up and being like, well, you know, this this asshole doesn't know what he's talking about, that's a place to examine. We only really get defensive about things that we're protecting. We really only get defensive about things that we're a little insecure about, and we can never be fully secure with these things that we identify with because none of them are actually us. You know, they're they're threatened by questions. They're threatened by having light shined on them. So that right there is an indication that they're not completely real. So I think that um, that's the place to start. Kind of dig into those identities. What are the things that you're holding on to as you? What are the things that you are uh, aspiring to be as you? We all need to aspire to be things and to do things. That's cool. But we have to remember along the way that those things are not us. They are not like who we are. We're so much more than that. And when we let go of those things, we're able to embrace uh, all sorts of different things for ourselves. And that, it's really cool. I mean, it's, 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 there's, a, there's a deep freedom to that. So just kind of explore that. Look at the roles you play and the things you are and the things you do and see which ones you're so attached to that you wouldn't let them go. You know, I, when I ask somebody, what would it take to change your mind? If the answer is nothing, then there's a real problem there. That's showing that there's something in our lives that we are unwilling to examine. Nothing that's real fears examination. Nothing that's real fears questioning. If there's something in you that's threatened by, by those questions, that's really the place to start working. So I'm looking forward to this series. Uh, I think it'll be a little more cohesive and a little more regular than what I normally do just because I'm already working on it outside of here. And it'll make it where it, I think it's useful information. And if somebody doesn't want to buy my book or sit down and read my book, you can sit and listen to this and you'll get the gist of it. I think the book's going to have more in-depth stuff like, uh, you know me, it's always going to be journal questions. There's always going to be practices and stuff. But we can at least kind of, you know, kind of skim the surface and, and talk about these different ways to have a simple life. It's really important to me to do things like this because... I think that there are ways that we can change our lives that don't cost us any money where you don't got to pay a counselor. You don't have to pay a, a life coach. You don't have to in, enroll in some $2,000 program. Those things are all awesome and they'll, they'll accelerate the process and they'll probably help you do things you couldn't without them. But we can make significant changes just by being willing to invest our time and our energy into things. It doesn't always have to be cash. And so that's what we'll aim for. I think it'll be fun and I'm, I'm excited about it. As always, 
Go find me over on Instagram. It's fake. Uh, no, it's not fake James Henson anymore. It hasn't been that in a long time. Uh, it's uh, just James Scott Henson over on Instagram. And you can find me at my website, jamesscotthenson.com. And you can email me, james at James Scott Henson. So um, if there's anything I can do for you, you don't hesitate to holler at me. And I will look forward to talking with you soon when we'll look at the first thing that you can do that's simple that can help you live a good life. Take care. <laughs>